All right. Who did their homework this past week? <laughs> if you were here, you know what I mean. So we're going to start a three-week journey together on the story of Exodus. I love the story. And it is the month of Passover, ending with um, the Easter celebration in traditional religions, the Judeo-Christian religions. Um, and so we... we uh, delve into those stories um, from a metaphysical point of view here at the Bodhi Spiritual Center. We do not um, question if they're true or not. We don't place any focus whatsoever on that. In fact, the specific story of Exodus, which um, centers around the key character, which is, who is Moses, um, there really is no proof to be found. And any, historian, any historians mostly will just tell you it's a worthless um, journey to try and figure out did it or didn't happen so it's been left alone. It's thousands upon thousands centuries ago. But the story itself contains within it um, the sacred um, vibration of freedom um, that we're all here to realize and, and, and seek. So as we look at this story, I invite you to look at it as um, all the characters of the story represent aspects of yourself. But let me just tell you the story first, get everyone up to date, and then we'll go through and start dissecting it a little bit. So simply, Egypt is inhabited by the Egyptians and the Jewish people, Israelites, but we'll call them Jewish people um, for our purposes here today. And um, it is said that the Jewish people just kept multiplying and growing and growing. And Pharaoh, who um, was the king of Egypt at the time, he got very afraid that the Jewish people were going to overpower the Egyptians and take over the land. So he decided to make all of the Jewish people slaves. They all became slaves to the Egyptians for generations, for generations. The, the slaves had children who had children who had children who had children. So the point I want to make is that um, the people themselves became very entrapped as slaves. They knew themselves as slaves. It's one thing for the first generation of a people to take on a particular belief, a way of being in the world, but then you pass that on. You pass that on. You are at the furthest end of a lot of beliefs, a lot of fears that your family has passed on and passed on and passed on. Well, that's what happened to the Jewish people. So they became very familiar with being slaves. This is what happened. So Pharaoh made a decision because he wanted to really control the Jewish people. He said, the firstborn sons will all be killed. This is not a happy story, by the way. It's pretty violent. Just to give you a heads up. Um, <laughs> and so this Jewish couple has a baby boy. And actually, it's not the firstborn. I'm sorry, the, the boys will be killed. So the Jewish couple has a baby boy, and um, they're trying to keep him in hiding because they don't want him to be killed or taken. But they say the story goes that around three months old, he was getting louder, as babies do, and they got afraid. So they placed this baby in a basket, and they sent him down the river in hopes that someone would find him and rescue him. Well, sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter was swimming in the river. Perhaps you know the story. She finds the baby. She takes the baby. She makes the baby her own, names him Moses. So this is how Moses comes to be. Now, Moses is a Jew. However, at three months old, he's rescued by the Egyptian, not only by an Egyptian person, by the daughter of the king. So Moses is raised in all the luxury, all the goodness that the Egyptians are allotted, and add more to that. 
because he's the, the daughter, he's the son of the daughter of the king. As he's growing up, though, he has the Jewish spirit within him. So the story goes, he becomes a young man, and one day he sees a Jew being beaten by an Egyptian, and a fire erupts in him, an anger. He can't stand this. So he goes up and he kills the Egyptian. Well, now Moses is in trouble because if the king, if Pharaoh finds out that Moses has done this, he's, he's, he's going to be whatever's going to happen to him. So Moses takes off. He heads out of the city. He goes off to a far-off land. Metaphysically, that always represents something profound. When, 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 the aspect, when the character in the story goes off to a far-off land. So the story continues that Moses is sitting by this fountain, and seven sisters come along. The seven sisters get harassed by these men going by. Moses once again stands up for the sisters. The sisters, I'm going to fast forward through this. Sisters are happy. They take them home to meet their father. They give him supper. Moses ends up marrying one of the sisters. And his life now begins in a far off land as a shepherd. So he's hanging out with the sheep one day. And a burning bush appears, as the story goes. And God shows up and says, hey, I need you to set my people free. My people being Jewish people. The Jewish people were the chosen people in the story. Chosen only according to the storyline, not better than anybody else, but they are the ones who represent the people leading everyone back to God. So they, the the chosen people, are in slavery. And God shows up to Moses and Moses and says, hey, go set my people free. Well, Moses is like, what? Are you crazy? I can't do that. As a story, some stories say Moses actually had a speech impediment. He didn't speak well. He didn't, he didn't have the eloquence to do what the job was required. So he says, take my brother Aaron. Aaron's a great speaker. And God says, no, you're chosen. You're the one. So Moses says, perhaps you remember this part in the story, he goes, who am I going to say sent me? I mean, can you imagine? Are you kidding me? Hey, Pharaoh, hi. Could you let these thousands of people go? So God says, one of the most familiar quotes Tell them, I am that I am. Who sent you? I am that I am. So the story goes on, and Moses shows up to Pharaoh and says, set my people free. Well, you know, imagine you're living the high life. You got all the good stuff going on, and someone comes in and says, hey, could you give me all your money and all your things? You're done. You know, no. So Pharaoh says, no. And then what happens is God begins to... Um, put plagues upon Egypt, upon the people. It starts simple with turning the, the water to blood, and then the frogs come, and then the locusts, and the mosquitoes, and the flies, and, and, and ten plagues. And each plague gets worse until the tenth plague, finally, when God says, I'm going to kill all of the um, firstborn boys in the entire, um, in all of Egypt. But to save, are you, are you with me? To save the Jewish children, they're told to put red blood on their door so that as the angels come through and kill the the boys, when they see the red blood on a house, oh, that's a Jewish house, we'll pass over that. Hence, Passover. They pass over the houses that have the blood on them. So this 10th plague does Pharaoh in. He says, fine, get out of here. So Moses takes thousands of people. I want you to imagine this. Come on, everybody, follow me. Thousands of people up to the edge of the Red Sea. 
Well, Pharaoh, who has gone through plague after plague after plague, once again says, wait a minute, I need these slaves. You don't get them. So he and his soldiers go chasing Moses and all of the Jews. And so Moses is standing there, and all the drama, as it said, he, he puts his stick into the ground. The Red Sea parts. The Jewish people walk through literally across that which was a sea, is now just a dry, flat land. They walk to the other side of the sea, and then it is said that the sea closes in on Pharaoh and his people, and they are now out in the wilderness to begin anew, and they are free. That's as far as we're going to go today in the story. Next week, we'll go a little further. So there's a few key components I really want to delve into because this, this is, it's so juicy. There's so much in this story. I could do a whole workshop on it. Moses metaphysically represents drawing out. It is the aspect of God that is encoded and planted in you that draws you out of your suffering. It draws you out of your stories. It draws you out of your slavery. Remember, this is your story. So the the Egyptian pharaoh represents fear that traps the light, the beautiful freedom that you are, in its, its, it, it, it traps it into its web of suffering. That is what's happened inside of you. The fears, the negative beliefs, the doubt, the, um, the belief that you're separate, that you're not good enough, those are things that you become enslaved to. You are a slave. The delight of who you are, the God self, the creativity, the power, the ability to manifest and move mountains, the, the part of you that knows that it knows who it is, is entrapped and caught by the fear. So that's what the story represents. So, but encoded inside of you, an aspect of God that was guaranteed to, to make sure that you are not forever t- stuck in freedom, I mean in slavery, is Moses, the aspect that is here to draw you out. Now, you've already awakened the Moses in you because you're here. You've already got a part of you that's saying, hey, there's a lot more to life than what you've been making up about it. There's a lot more good here. You already know that. But what happens, and this is what, we're all in different levels of this. So you've got that Moses in you that comes to you and says, hey, I'm powerful. I'm free. I can write that book. I can move that mountain. I can build that thing. I can make that company. I can be the best whatever it is that I'm here to be. You've got that part. But you've got the other parts that go, hell no. You th- who do you think you are? You are enslaved to me. Because you see, the fears, the false beliefs, the doubts, they need life force to stay alive. They're parasites. And so what do they, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So what do they attach to? They attach to your light. They attach to your life-giving vibration. And they glob on there, and they're happy, just sucking away. So you think those, that fear, that doubt, all of that, the Egyptian energy, the Pharaoh, you think that's just going to go, oh, okay, you want to be free now? No. It's going to fight. It's going to say, who do you think you are? So in the story, God comes off as a real bad guy. Because what does God do? He does all this suffering. He does all these plagues. But if you look at it all inside the oneness, what is happening is to the extent that you continue to agree with the lies, to the extent that you continue to agree with these fears and these beliefs, you suffer more and more, don't you? 
It's like the first time life goes, you know, baby, that's not true. But that's not enough to set you free. So the second time, a bat comes in and knocks you on the head. Will you knock it off? The third time, let's get real about this. Let's, let me really, really, I want you to relate to this. The first time you date someone, I know where to get you. You, <laughs> you date someone, and it gets all mucky and yucky, and you know, oh, this isn't good. And you know that. You know, this doesn't feel good. So you kind of go separate, but they call it, baby, I need you. All right, you'll be different this time. You come back. It's not different. It gets worse. Oh, I got to get out of there. Baby, I really need you. I'll be different this time. So you go back again. Each time you go back, whether it be a person, a job, uh, a drug, uh, whatever it is, each time you go back, it's seductive. It pulls you in. But because it's not good for you, because it's not life-giving, nothing wrong with anyone, but relationships are life-giving or life-taking. And if it's not life-giving, you suffer. And each time you go back, it gets harder, doesn't it? Until finally, if you're like me, you get the 10th plague. You're in, on the floor, a, uh, just a sobbing mess. And finally, you let go. Finally, you let go. That's what the plagues represent. Can you relate to that? Where in your life is like, do you get the gentle nudge? This is not right for you. This isn't life-giving. This isn't true. But it's got too strong of a hold. Nothing wrong with you. It's just, remember, generations of belief. I'm not talking about you heard it yesterday and you're going to change it today. I'm talking about deep subconscious patterns, beliefs, and ways of being that you have identified yourself as. Not only did you identify yourself as it, so did your parents and your siblings and your cousins and your aunts and your uncles and your community and your church and your school. So huge identification with these false beliefs. Big deal. A big idea that you're breaking free from. Huge idea. Webs. Webs of false belief that you're trapped in that have a hold on you. So sometimes we do need the two by four. Sometimes it does take us getting down on our knees and being in so much pain that we will finally let go. That's what the plagues represent. God only has love. It's kind of the law of cause and effect. That's another way to look at it. The law of cause and effect keeps causing and bringing you the effect of what you're believing and doing. And it multiplies in your favor so you can see it. What you really want is to be free. What you really want is to get to the other side so that you can live in a whole new vibration. That's, that's the Moses that's drawing you out. But the pull that keeps bringing you back, it's powerful. And what, I love to, what I've come to know and realize in the most positive way is many times I'm just powerless over that. I am powerful. But each time a plague comes along, what happens to the muscle of light? It gets stronger. Each time. So, so, so that's another way that it's for your good. Each time life gets a little harder and you get through it and you bring, oh, this is right. I'm the light. That's right. I am free. Each time you get yourself back to there, you're building your muscle. So you may know this job isn't for me anymore. It may take two years for you to go from that to freedom. 
But over that two years, that little voice of inspiration, you're going to be a little more and more irritated, a little more and more upset. You know, that's going to be occurring. But it's generating power. It's generating the strength you need because to the extent that the energy has you trapped, you need that much energy times 10 to catapult you out. So that's what's occurring, yeah? That's a pretty cool story, isn't it? There's a lot of crap inside this little story. Do you get how it's your story? Do you get, because I don't want to just make it like something that happened to these Jews chosen people way back when. It's our story. It's your story. It's your story. So finally, and you know this in your life, you've tasted this. Finally, the the tension has got so bad. The fear has been so, it's suffering, and the power is getting stronger and stronger. Moses is pulling and pulling out and pulling out. Finally, it breaks. Finally, it breaks. Gets to the Red Sea, moves to the other side. How dramatic. How dramatic. Finally, you get to the other side. What does that fear do? Hey, come back. Come back. It wants you. The old ways. The old ways of being, they're so comfortable. They're so familiar. And it's painful sometimes because for those of us that love meant being hit or love meant being abused or, or it's all twisted, those things, letting those things, I'm, again, it's deep stuff because that needs to be rewired. It needs to be reprogrammed. Your wiring is off. And I'm not talking, you know, it's nice to go in and redecorate a house. I'm not talking about redecorating. I'm talking about walking to the house and going, this whole foundation is messed up. And the wiring is crossed and mixed up. So we got, we got to gut this thing. We got to gut the house, dig up the foundation, put a whole new one in. Then we can build another house. That's what I'm talking about. That's the transformation that the story represents. So I'm going to go back. That's as far as we're going to go on the story. Next week, <laughs> you discover what's on the other side of the Red Sea. And maybe you'll bring a friend or two here, because that'd be fun, too. Um, so, remember what God says. As the journey began, what did he say to Moses? He said, I am that I am. So mystical are those words that I literally barely can find words. I just feel them as an explosion of light in my being. I am that I am. The I am presence that is inside of you is who and what you are. That's what I am. And that I am is greater than any history. That I am is greater than any suffering that you and your ancestors have agreed to. That I am presence. And it is what you put on your I am is what causes the movement to shift. Now, for generations, your people, your chosen people, you have chosen people, your tribe, have been putting silly things on those I am. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. Women can't do this. Men shouldn't do this. They used their powerful I am, and they attached it to things that were limiting and untrue about them. You did the same thing. You attached your I am presence to false ideas which made that personal. But that very I am presence is that which can also unwind it and begin setting you free. So whatever you say I am is who you are. We get that kind of. It's a simple idea. I am love, and so it is. 
I am joy, and so it is. I am prosperous, and so it is. Now, yeah, I'll say that once in a while, but then that old fear, that old Pharaoh story comes sweeping in, and you give up. See, I'm not prosperous. See, this isn't true. Well, this is your opportunity. This month, this month of of transformation, moving us to the Easter holiday at the end of the year, which is the resurrection to the Christ consciousness of all freedom, enlightenment itself at the end of this month. Your, your, your work is to pay super, super, super intense attention to how you're using your I am. What are you attaching to it? Because you now have the wisdom and the knowing to set yourself free. Every I am that you think, feel, or speak, they all exist in different forms. I am comes through your thinking, your nature, your emotional body, and your words themselves. So whether you're feeling yucky or whether you're thinking yucky or whether it's gotten so intense or you're actually speaking it, pay attention. Is that true? No. If it is not liked, if it is not life-giving, and if if its nature is not love, it's not true. It's simple. It's simple. And if you can hold this is not true and just hold, just hold that no matter how much the Egyptians and Pharaoh scream that you are a slave, no matter how much the fear wants to contract and control you, if you can just, this is not true, I am the light of the world. That's it. That's it. That is what's true about me. Whoo! You do that. You do that this week, and you do that for this month, baby. When it comes Easter Sunday, you're going to be up here with me just glowing and dancing. It's going to be a fabulous month. That's my intention for myself and for all of us, that this is a fabulous month. Spring is coming, rebirth, renewal, it's time, isn't it? So let's do this together, yes. That was fun, that was fun. Take a deep breath, take a big breath. That was a big freaking download, man. My body's vibrating here. I invite our spiritual counselors to stand, hold the space here, take a deep breath, open your hands on your lap, lift your heart up a bit, whoo, in this moment I say God is, I say there is a light of perfect freedom whose nature has our name on it, I am that. I am the love of God. I am the joy of God. I am the power and the presence of freedom and love and all that is good and true. I am that. I am the eternal life. This is true for me. I know it's true for each one of us. I place upon each one of us the name. I am the love of God. I am the prosperity, the abundance, the joy. I am divinely guided from good to greater good. I am in relationships that are life-giving, nurturing, fun, fabulous. I am the place that goes to work and shares and gives generously of my creativity, my skills, my love. I am the name and nature of that which dissolves the lies, the fears, the doubt, the entrapment of my people. I am the freedom. Breathe this in. Oh, I know this to be true. From my place of oneness, I know that we are set free. We see right now 
we see that which has been trapping us that heretofore we didn't even know its name. We are so alive, so awake, so able to hear the voice of I am. We are perfectly connected to the Moses nature of our being that draws us out of the darkness. Moses, the power, pull us, pull us. Do not give up on us. It cannot. Its nature is God. We are one with it. Pull us out of slavery. Pull us out of captivity. Pull us out of the suffering and the stories of our ancestors. This is a new day. We are the chosen ones that shall set our people free inside, inside. The people represent the thoughts, the energy, the life that is in us, all the creativity, all the parts of ourselves. We set them free. I declare that this prayer is literally like, it's a, it's a light that goes down the spine of your body and it's pulling, it's magnetic. It's pulling to its center all the broken off parts, all the parts that have been trapped in fear. It's pulling the light right out of them and the fear, the lies, the doubt, the hesitation, the suffering is dissolving into the nothingness from what it, where it came. Just breathe that in. Just be that. Breathe. Keep breathing. Whew. present moment and in this present moment all is well I say yes to this say yes say yes and say yes again yes let us mean it let us feel it yes yes grateful for the fulfillment of this prayer grateful oh so grateful for the magnificent light and life that has had its way with us this morning and for all the gifts that it brings gratitude I release this prayer now into the action of the law knowing that it is done and together we say and so it is amen and amen thank you